get that garbage out of here. What it do, baby? Yeah, yo, what he do? There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. OG with a look. Got it! OG and Anobi at the buzzer! Oh, look, because my shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. Like you lost another one. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the What It Do Toronto Raptors podcast. I'm your host, Drew Horton, and let's get into it. So the Milwaukee Bucks are your 2021 NBA champions as they defeat the Phoenix Suns four games to two off the back of one of the greatest playoff performances in history from Giannis Antetokounmpo, and rightly so that he wins his first championship, as well as the MVP for the finals. And just, wow, he'd been putting up numbers this entire series, and then in games where Middleton and Drew Holiday were able to help him out, they just never looked back. Dropped the first two in Phoenix, then took a resounding 120-100 win, then a close-fought 109-103 win in Game 4 to tie up the series, some say they may not have deserved that win, but W's a W, especially in the finals. Then, a close, hard-fought Game 5. Milwaukee edged out the Suns 123-119. to That game really came down to the wire. And then, a 7-point victory, 105-98 to clinch it. Giannis going for 50 points, and the biggest thing, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. When he needed to clutch up the most, he did. If he shot... His average free throw percentage, that game may be tied or one or two points going down to the final seconds, but he had the best free throw performance of his career, 17 of 19, and it couldn't have come in a bigger spot. And Giannis, man, is just so likable. He just shared the spotlight with everybody. Even Rachel Nichols got a chance to hold the trophy, which I thought was really funny. And man, Giannis just having the time of his life caught a glimpse of him crying on the court just a little bit just you really feel for him he did it quote unquote the right way didn't form a super team he put in the work with the same place that he was drafted and hey paid off got a chip now just amazing he joined some elite company where him jordan and hakeem are the only players in nba history to win an mvp a finals MVP, a championship, and a DPOI. And now it's official. The Antetokounmpo family is full of winners. All three brothers, Giannis and Thanasis this year with the Bucks, and then Costas last year with the Lakers. They all have a championship win. Two of the three brothers are kind of benchwarming players. One of them, if not both, will be playing in Europe next year. But hey, they're NBA champions. At the end of the day, that's something you can write home about. Though I think Giannis still has a leg up on them during the dinner conversations, but we'll leave that be for now. This finals was not a battle of super teams, but each team did have a big three, despite neither team having a second, quote, superstar. So Giannis and Booker, obviously the two leading guys, and then the Bucks had Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to back up Giannis, and then the Suns had, of course, Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, 
and it seemed like Giannis had it the entire series and it was just a matter of Middleton, Holiday, and then the role guys stepping up when they needed to most. Andrew Holiday, though, offensive drought for the entire playoffs pretty much, his defense was unparalleled. If they had a finals defensive MVP, it would have been Drew Holiday. The way he just made life hard for Chris Paul and Devin Booker was amazing. He picked guys' pockets. He had 2.2 steals per game, which led the series. And interestingly enough, he led the entire series in plus-minus per game at 6.2. That's incredible, despite only shooting 38%, sorry, 36% from the field. And that just goes to show that it's not all about scoring. You still need lockdown defenders because offense is only half the game. Now, Chris Middleton was able to really step up and help Giannis, shooting 44% for the series, 24 points a game, also chipping in six rebounds, five assists, still playing great defense, one and a half steals per game as well. The whole team was locked in, really. And Middleton just hit shots when they counted. He had 18 clutch points for tying go-ahead in the series. He had 18. The next highest was four. And, oh man, I would be livid if I were Suns fans and I had to see Chris Middleton hit contested fadeaway after contested fadeaway in the clutch. That man was putting on a performance worthy of the MLB Reliever of the Year award, because that man is a closer. And that just really goes to show that your best guy doesn't necessarily have to be the man who's taken the last shot in any given game. I mean, Giannis put up 35 points per game, but it was Middleton who finished it out in the clutch. Giannis got some points here and there, but it was major that Middleton was able to get those buckets in close games. Now let's examine Giannis across the series as the deserving Finals MVP. Averaged 35 points per game on 61.8% from the field. Just incredible. Free throw percentage not great at 66%, but that 17 for 19 in Game 7 pushed his average up quite a bit and was clutch. Just clutch. You make fun of his free throws all you want, but he's got a chip, so he must be doing something right. So not only did he have 35 points per game, but he also had 13 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks across the series. Just incredible numbers. And you need somebody like Giannis at the forefront of your team if you're going to win a championship in this talented day and age. Now the Suns, despite their best efforts, couldn't overcome the Giannis Middleton Drew trio, but Devin Booker did put up 28 points per game on 45%, high volume as well, but just couldn't get the three-pointer to fall, only shot 26.8% from three in the entire series on just under seven attempts a game, just not good enough if you're gonna win a championship. He did However, shoot 6.8% better than Giannis from three, although that's not really saying all that much. Uh, Chris Paul, 21.8 points per game, also including eight assists. He had a good series, not a great series, but he was leading the team and he did everything that you really ever could have asked for him. He didn't play out of his mind like he did in a few games previously in the playoffs, but he definitely played well enough to make himself a very big positive impact. He just needed more contributions from guys up and down the lineup, namely DeAndre Ayton. Ayton 
kind of slumped in this series. He was going against Giannis and Brooke Lopez on offense, and that's just tough for anybody, let alone Eaton, who's just a little bit smaller than both those guys. I say a little bit in parentheses, of course. But yeah, 14.7 points per game, 14.7. Uh, 12 rebounds. So, you know, averaged a double-double for the entire series. He did shoot 53%, but he just wasn't as big of a factor on the offensive end because the Bucks had the big bodies in the paint to handle him. Between Brook Lopez and Giannis, those are two Defensive Player of the Year caliber guys. You're just not going to get that many points in the paint against Milwaukee. You have to hit your jump shots, and Aiton doesn't have a great jumper yet. That's what he needs to really take it to the next level. They didn't get a ton of support up and down to line up from the role players. They just needed Booker to do more, needed Aiton to do more. And in the end, they just couldn't. Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Lopez, that defensive trio, and Middleton as well, no slouch on the defensive end either. They just locked down the Suns and made it difficult. They had to earn almost every bucket in the series, and you're just not gonna win four games out of seven like that. So props to the Bucks. They played amazing defense for the entire playoffs. My favorite part about the entire parade celebration was Giannis pretended to freeze up at the free throw line during the parade, so he was just staying in one pose with the ball for, jeez, I don't know how many seconds, might have been even minutes. That was just funny, playing at uh, playing at that joke that the Suns, Nets, etc. Fans have been playing against him for the last little while. Nice to see him get the last laugh. And of course, he, instead of going to Vegas, went to Disney World. Just, oh, I love that guy. He also, after his 50-piece, ordered a 50-piece from McDonald's, where he was streaming Instagram Live to just about 150,000 people, then got mobbed as he was coming out of the drive-thru. And it's nice to see that kind of support, especially for a small market team. This is a big win for NBA parody, I think, because you just have these super teams forming, but this really shows that you know, if you've got good team building, you get one guy you can build around. And if you do well enough, you can win a chip with your homegrown talent. Homegrown, so to speak, of course. Seeing as Giannis and most of those guys are not from Milwaukee. But regardless, I think you all know what I meant. So the NBA season's officially over. Now we look onward to the draft, which happens fairly soon, actually. The Raptors, because of course I'm always going to bring it back to the Raptors, have the fourth overall pick, and it seems to be a toss-up between one of the two Jalens or Mobley. Whoever is left of those three guys will be our pick, and I'm excited for all of those options. Uh, they just seem like really nice talents. They'll fit our team immediately. And the other question on everyone's mind, will Kyle Lowry return? Will he walk in free agency? Will he do a sign-and-trade for him? I think he's earned the right to have the organization do whatever it takes to get him where he wants to go. He's been instrumental in changing the Raptors franchise from a laughing stock to one of the really golden standard franchises in the NBA over the last decade. So if he stays, amazing. I want him to play as a Raptor as long as he possibly can. I want him to retire a Raptor. But if he goes, you got to give him a salute. Say thank you for all that you've done, and wish you the best of luck. 
unless he goes to Philly, of course, in which case, you know, I don't mind the Sixers losing. That being said, uh, probably not going to get too much value for him in a sign-in trade. The only leverage we have really is cap space. So I think some fans are getting their expectations a little bit too high. In order to get any kind of decent return, we'd probably have to offer a pick as well or get involved in a three-team deal and put some other parts together. Uh, some names people are throwing out are, you know, Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, and obviously these would be with bigger trades, but I'm not sure we even get anywhere near those caliber of guys. But if anyone can do it, it is Masai, who notably still has not signed his contract extension. And that would be the biggest disaster if Masai walked in free agency. But I won't even think about that because I don't want to have nightmares. So I'll leave it there. So now that the NBA season is over, I want to try a few different things with the What To Do podcast. Uh, I've got some interesting deep dives I want to do on some sports topics from throughout history. Want to talk about some of the Blue Jays, some of the MLB stuff, maybe some hockey news as well, some NFL football when it comes up, and just turn it into a more general type of thing while the NBA is on hold. Still want to do some free agent stuff for the NBA, of course, some draft profiles once the Raptors have their pick, some trade news, etc., etc., but open it up a little bit more and see what kind of variety we can get. So I appreciate everybody that's listened so far and can, I hope you uh, I hope you all enjoy continuing with me as I venture into new topics, maybe some serious, maybe some more lighthearted ones as well, all within the world of sport. So thank you for listening to episode 15, the last NBA podcast of the 21 season. I have been your host, Drew Horton, signing off. Peace!